I'm Nelson, and I'm lead pastor, and welcome again. Our Bible reading is Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning of verse 10, and I invite you to turn there in your worship guides or your Bibles. Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning of verse 10, hear the word of the Lord. Moses writes to the people of Israel, When you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land He has given you. Do not forget that He led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions, where it was so hot and dry. He gave you water from the rock. He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. He did all this so that you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. The word of the Lord. In every life, there are seasons when something is present in your life or something comes crashing into your life that, on which you were not planning and which becomes challenging. You find yourself in over your head and you conclude really that you have nowhere to turn unless someone provides help or provision. A man learns that his job is in jeopardy. He's in his early 60s, and he never thought he'd be looking for a job at this stage in his life. And he thinks to himself, will anybody hire me at this age? A husband and wife have been struggling with a hard marriage for many years, and they feel like they've tried everything, and nothing seems to help. And they say to themselves, where do I turn now? A man started a business a few years back, And at the time, the prospects looked rosy, and he thought he had all the right stuff. But now, years in, there's been another bend in the road, and his business is struggling to get off the ground, and he wonders what to do next. You know, I think it's only a matter of time before we all experience a season in life where we realize that our our own know-how Our own resources are not enough. Now, the Bible calls these experiences wilderness experiences. They are challenging times God uses to change us and to grow us. Well, today, we are going to learn that these challenging times are the very places where God cultivates our dependence on Him. So here's the ironic thing about the spiritual life. God wants a relationship with all of you. Uh, But the chief thing that keeps us from a relationship with God is our own independence. And so oftentimes, God has to to bring us to a place, uh, into a season of need. And so we'll be pressed into relying on Him. See, nobody ever seeks to rely on the provision of God until they have to. 
Nobody ever chooses it when everything else is sort of going well. The only time that any of us choose to cultivate our reliance on the provision of God is when the bottom falls out. And so we're asking ourselves this morning, what do we learn from these seasons? So I just want to start up start out uh, this morning by saying, you know, how would you characterize your relationship with God? You know, do you have a relationship with God that you would characterize as close, uh, as trusting, as grateful, as dependent? Do you even have a relationship with God? See, today's Bible reading is from the book of Deuteronomy. And I mentioned that the author is Moses. And Moses has organized this book into a series of sermons. The people of God have spent 40 years in the wilderness, and now they're about to enter Canaan, which is the promised land. And Moses is a very old man now, and he will not be joining them in the promised land. Now, we know that the difference between the wilderness and the promised land is that the wilderness was arid and desolate, and the promised land has brooks and streams and The earth is filled with precious metals. And so Moses starts in verse 10 by saying, when you've eaten your fill, see this is perspective, they're they're going to go into the promised land and there's going to be much abundance. And he says, when you've eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. So Moses' concern is uh, who will get the glory? His concern is, who gets the praise? Bottom line, is your life unto yourself or is your life unto God? So Moses knows that the tendency of the Israelites is always to credit themselves. Uh, we We live in a world where we all live from strength to strength. That's the way the world is wired. We have to prove ourselves, and we think that's the way the world works. And Moses and the Bible writers keep trying to show us this alternative world, this alternative world of the kingdom of God. And his concern is that to a people that are living from strength to strength, he says he never want, down in verse 17, he says, I never want you you to be able to be saying, I've achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. So he warns them ahead of time, recall the lessons of the wilderness. You know, exercise the spiritual muscles when times are good that you developed when times were bad. So Moses says in verse 15, Do not forget that Yahweh led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions where it was hot and dry. Now, most of us can... This is just a land of danger and it's a land of deprivation. And so there's snakes, they're poisonous snakes. We all know we'd run from those. There's scorpions. Um, according to my research on scorpions, scorpions have a sting like a bee, but there's some that are in the Middle East that are fatal, that are lethal. They call paralysis or death. And so the Israelites are in this land that is full of snakes and scorpions, and it's hot and dry. Now, I visited the Sinai Peninsula one time, and I can remember, I actually was on a bicycle, funny enough, but I rode the bicycle um, just kind of into the desert, and I remember uh, all I could see 
was, was sand. And I kicked a rock, and the rock just bumped along against the hard, crusty ground. There wasn't a green sprig of grass or green leaf in sight. It was so hot and dry. There was nothing there. That's the point. And so, and the unusual thing is that God sent them there, it says. It says that twice in the text, that God did all this. And he did all this, uh, it says, he says, to humble you and test you for your own good. You know, so what was the test? Uh, There's a book that I've been returning to again and again, and... Uh, listen, if you know me and if I know you, uh, I know you want to be in control. And you've arranged your life so that you can be in control. And you think that you can be in control. And that your own uh, education and your own competence and your own experience can keep life pretty much in control. And that works for a while until it doesn't. And I was reading a book that I go back to again and again, and it's called Death by Suburb. And what the author, David Getz, says is that the suburbs, in the suburbs, uh, we're famous for wanting to manage God right out of the picture. Because we have so much, we've developed so much uh, into our lives, and so we manage God right out of the picture. And so we want to plan and control and get busy and achieve and acquire our way into a life where even for Christians, dependence on God is just a quaint notion. It isn't really needed after all, because I've got this. Uh, That's what we think. And uh, that's sort of the thesis of this book, Death by Suburbs. But Moses says that sometimes God will lead us into seasons of deprivation and need to humble and to test his people so that they will know the truth, which is my own strength cannot save me. That's... It's, it's, a, uh, it's a reality uh, that one day we learn. So does this mean that Christians don't work hard, that Christians don't get a good education, that Christians don't work to achieve? Of course not. It just means that the foundation of our lives is not our own strength. The provision of our lives does not finally, at the end of the day, come from our own hand. And so you've been hearing stories of the capital campaign and... Uh, Jerry mentioned this, but we started the campaign by saying that God delights to put his people in situations where they're overmatched. And that's what God did when he whittled Gideon's army down from 35,000 to 300 men, and they went up against a much more powerful army. And we know the punchline, if you read it in Judges 7, verse 2, is that there would be no mistaking who gets the glory. That's why God arranged it that way. Now, when I look at uh, the total that's been raised for our capital campaign, and incidentally, if you're here today and and you just wandered into this church today and this all sounds a little strange, our services aren't usually focused around the capital campaign or God's forbid, this is just a special Sunday for that. Um, We're culminating the public phase, as Rick said, But I'm astounded. I'm astounded at what God has provided. You know, a million dollars, a million dollars, $400,000, that's that's real money. That's a lot of money. I'm astounded. 
I'm astounded that we were able to purchase the land for $2.6 million, and we've got only a $340,000 remaining debt on that. I'm, I'm astounded. It's, it's beyond me. Um, it's just something that I watch happen. It's not that we're not involved. It's just that there's something happening that's way bigger than us. So Andy mentioned that last Sunday, several of us went to the Sunday school class at Third Church. And as he said, there were lots of stories to tell, but I wanted to tell my own. Two days ago, I called a woman. I called some of the folks from that class just to follow up. And two days ago, I called a woman who was in this class at Third Church. Now, I had known this woman, but I haven't seen her in several years, but I saw her this past Sunday. And we'll call this woman's name Jane. And Jane said to me over the phone, "Uh, Nelson, I need you to bring me several more campaign brochures. And I said, what? And she said, I took one, but then I, when I went into church at third after the Sunday school class, I sat next to another woman, and we'll call her name Sarah. And Sarah saw my campaign brochure, and she said, oh, I'm so excited by that. I want your brochure. So she took my brochure. Now, the thing you need to know about Sarah is Sarah is somebody on my list to visit for the campaign. And I haven't seen Sarah in a few years, and I didn't feel I could just cold call Sarah. I needed some way, an entree back into the relationship with Sarah. And here this woman who had a campaign brochure of all the people in this big sanctuary she could have sat next to last Sunday morning, she sits down next to Sarah, the woman I need an entree with. Sarah sees the brochure, grabs it, takes it home. The point is, I'm just watching all this, and I'm the thing I would say if I were to give my overall provision of God's stories of the provision of God would be, there's so many things that just open up. I mean, one is, so many of you have given and given sacrificially, and I'm just stunned by it. And then the other would be, I just see so many things just open up that are beyond us. And here it was again. So Jane gives her the brochure. Now Jane says, uh, Nelson, I need a few more brochures because i got another couple that I want to I want to hand one too, because I think they too are going to, would like to give. So I'm just watching this thing open up and open up. So yesterday I took her three more brochures you know, over to her house. The point is, uh, God arranges things. Now, if we were in a, a bigger church where we could say, okay, well, we've got, let's see, 500 families, and we can divide the $2.5 million, and 500, you know, it, it kind of all seems pretty well in hand. Yeah. I've been part of capital campaigns like that. It all seems pretty well in hand. This is not that cam- campaign. This isn't, look at us. Um, we're trying to raise two and a half million dollars. We've got a million four. The point, the point is not really the money, honestly. Um, I will say over and over again, and the point is not the issue that you're facing in your own season of challenge or will face in your own season of challenge. The point is what God is doing in our relationship with him. The campaign is about the money, but it's not about the money. It really isn't. It's about what's happening in all of us as we're learning to rely on the provision of God. Do you see the point? 
So we're just part of this bigger story that's unfolding. Now, one last thing. God is doing all these things for people. He's, He's bringing water from a rock and he's bringing manna from heaven. Um, But it's never about the actual provision. See, the text mentions covenant. And the idea of the covenant was that God wanted relationship with his people. And the Apostle Paul writes, and this verse is in your bottom bar in your worship guide. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all surpassing power is from God and not from us. And we know that the power that he's talking about is the power of God expressed in the face of Jesus Christ. And we know that the covenant of God begun with Abraham would one day be fulfilled in Christ. And friends, when Christ went to the cross, he was God's declaration that God will stop at nothing to restore relationship with you. And so when we talk about God's provision... You know, the Apostle Paul, I am quite convinced when he said, you know, the treasure in the clay jars is that we are frail, weak, and broken people, but the treasure is the pearl of great price. And Paul became enamored with the beauty of Christ the more that he came to know Christ and he came to give his life away so that more would know the Savior. And so the bottom line is that the provision of God is that he wants to give us himself. And those who are giving away sacrificially, you have less in your own hands to rely on. And there's more room in our hearts for God to give us himself. And if there's a deep, the deepest longing that I have for all of us in this journey is that we would realize as we're lying on the provision of God that his provision is to give us himself. And so today is a service of thanksgiving. And we wanted to give you a chance to respond. And when you came in this morning, you received clothespins. And, you know, we do these things uh, because sometimes we need something tactile. We need something active. And so we're just going to invite you to participate in this. Who doesn't have a, who doesn't have a little bag? Okay, Nolan back here, uh, Andy. So there's some. Just stick up your hand. Laura has some more. Thank you. Now, you'll also see a wreath up here. And it says, uh, thankful for the past, trusting for the future. And this is the rhythm The way we trust God in the future, and you probably have something that it feels like an unusual challenge in your life now, but the way we trust God and rely on God's provision in the future is we recall how he's been faithful to us in the past. And I invite the band to come on up too also. And so what we'd love you to do is really uh, sort of make that link in your own soul this morning. And I'm just going to say it this way. On the pink clothespin, will you write uh, a way that you have seen, a past marker uh, where you have seen God's faithfulness? 
And I really want you to get sort of down and dirty with this and think, uh, where were you, when were you desperate? When did you last feel desperate? And then you can look back on it and realize that God provided. So just in a word or a phrase, there's not a lot of room on the clothespin, uh, but in a word or a phrase, uh, note that on there. Then on the other one, which is closer to yellow, which is about the bright vision for the future, on the sort of tannish colored one, will you write and will you make this sort of a statement where you put your stake in the sand that you are now trusting in God's provision for the future in this area of your life? And would you put that area down too? So one is past where you've seen God's faithfulness. The one is the future uncertain thing that you're feeling a little desperate about now. So would you put those down? Uh, And the band is going to play and lead. And then here's what I'm going to ask you to do. and, And Hayden is going to help us, but we're actually just going to put on the cross... Uh, We're going to make a wreath this morning, a a wreath of uh, our thanksgiving and our glory to God. And so we're going to do that together. And so after you've put yours down, if you would just, as we're singing and the band is leading, if you would just feel free to come up and then Hayden will help us know how to place those on here. And we'll do that together under the glory of God. Let's continue to worship as we respond.